Welcome to the 6AM Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6AM Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6AMRun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the 6am Run Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Paisant. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. We have a good one for you today. And um, it's, it's going to be a lot about women, but I think it's very, um, it's very advantageous for all the men to listen to. We all need to listen to, to, to a show like this. And of course, like I say all the time, has run in the title. That does not mean that's all we talk about. But before we get into our conversation with Colette, as always, this show is brought to you by 6am Run and 6amrun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So let's get right into it. Disclaimer, we may talk about bodies. We may talk about sex. We may talk about intimacy. I take that all back. We will be talking about that stuff. So Colette Hammond is our guest. That is H-A-M-O-N if you're looking her up. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself for our audience. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on. I'm Colette Hammond. I am here today from uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for the beautiful intro. Even I'm excited for our conversation today now. I don't usually get into this amazing of topics at 11 a.m. <laughs> in mountain time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, let's see, a brief intro. I, I'm originally a farm girl from Saskatchewan. That's the Montana of Canada and not the glamorous part. Um, and so I'm, I live in the big city now and uh, I have a business and I used to be a corporate employee for years. So I took that leap. And uh, I have three kids, two dogs, a couple vacation properties, and I do my best to stay above water and uh, manage the chaos that is my life on a good day and have as much fun that I can doing it. And we are very happy to have you here. And um, I, I can say I've, I've never heard of it <laughs> explained as the Montana of Canada, but that is that is good. There's always a first for everything, um, and I love that. I, I love that very much. And and there's a few different spaces that that you've been in or, or you work in. First of all, of course, you're an entrepreneur, CEO, all that good stuff. But you saw. Let's kind of start with the beginning because when you say you're a farm girl. And, you know, you started in the Catholic Church and all that good stuff was your explain your upbringing. Were you happy? Were you a kid that loved where they where they were at? Or did something always kind of burn in the back of your head? Like, I want to do something different. Like, how was that growing up? That's a great question. So I think I was just like the circumstances of my environment. And so we're fourth generation in the small town farmers and I didn't know life could be any different and it's very interesting because I remember I have this childhood memory 
if you remember the my golden book series there were these like tiny hardcover books that you read as children and they had a gold um i can't remember what the term is but on the book and they were they covered every topic and you could get anything in them there was one i remember owning and it was called whales and it was an overview of all the different kinds of whales there are in the world now where i grew up because it's in flat prairie there was this awful lake like it had algae in the summer but it's where people gathered to celebrate summer where i was and i remember thinking like these things can't be real because they would never fit in that lake so then you become the circumstances of what is around you and so of course once you become more worldly and see that stuff you see why they do exist and why there's a book about them but so yeah and then i think it was just we were very my family was very traditionalist and i there was no pressure like it was just kind of that you would stay there hopefully in the same town i remember my dad being like oh, i just hope you marry a farmer one day <laughs> and of course there were voices in my head being like i don't know um and so one day and and the catholicism the call the, the catholicism has been key i meet a lot of ex catholics um that have renounced the religion and um they need a lot of improvements i think to make a comeback but i do remember one day my parents announcing that they were separating and as traumatic as that should be for a child the second part of the announcement was that my mom was going to be moving to a city called Saskatoon and i was so i just remember the elation i was like i am out of here <laughs> so, that was the beginning of leaving this very enclosed small mindset upbringing of mine so you don't think looking back farming was ever in your future if you was that something you didn't you don't want to go back now and start that right now you don't want to it's do that like, it gave me an appreciation for it like mm -hmm. not when you're on it and you're having to do the work okay it, it causes a lot of resentment but now what i know goes into farming and the farmers i have a huge admiration appreciation for them and we all did some crazy stuff during pandemic and my crazy thing i did is i bought a ranch but it's a very unique property that is like maintained i don't do any work on it but it gave me this like reconnection to that upbringing without the work or the financial struggle or the demands so i still always felt tied to that those open spaces and being surrounded by that so but no it hasn't been part of my calling i i i, I barely garden <laughs> so I, ba I barely garden <laughs> and i wanted I to show that. you the plants in my office <laughs> oh i love that i love that so so you so you end up making it to you know out out of the flatlands as you call it and into mm -hmm. the big city and getting your mba and and when you're making this move like a lot of the work you do now has to do with um, sexuality, has to do with empowerment, has to do with the female form. Mm -hmm. You know, growing up, was that, I mean, I think I know the answer. I don't want to assume, was that even a conversation you were allowed to have in your household? Yes and no. So not when we were like a traditional nuclear family, mm -hmm. but I do remember <laughs> my mom tried her best um you know and I, I still give her kudos today and uh she i remember her having conversations with me about it and i think this is where most parents go and they were just very biological like very textbook and 
I also remember because I went to Catholic school. So you might not know this, but half the schools in Canada are still ran by the Catholic Church. And so part of that means you have a Catholicism catechism class as part of your um, daily learning. And they have to teach the Catholic school values. And I also have friends that teach in this. And I know they don't follow them, but they have to teach them. And I remember learning like about like, okay, you have these three paths. You can become a nun. There's this life of volunteerism and singledom, but typically if you're going to do that, you're going to become a nun instead, or you get married and have children. And so I just remember getting these classes, like just always something just intuitively didn't feel right. And so of course they teach abstinence and uh, masturbation's wrong, birth control's wrong. Like these are all rejected by the Catholic church. We won't get into some of the more macro level issues, but um and having some conversation with my mom. And then finally, I remember asking her because she was like weird about it. The conversation, I get it. I'm a parent now. I have to have these conversations. I try to normalize it. And I remember just being like, okay, fair enough about the biology of this. But like, mom, is sex good? And she was like so triggered by my question that I was like, it must be. If it triggered her that much, it must be. Like they're hiding something from me. <laughs> but the teachings is like, it's just like this reproductive thing you do to be able to have children and a family. And so, and like, don't enjoy it. So yeah, to go from there to like everything I did to get to helping other women explore these parts of them has been a long journey. And I don't know if it's fortunately or unfortunately, I know that path because I, I did go to a Catholic high school. Um, you did? I did. Yes. Interesting. Um, and I remember multiple times throughout my four years, just thinking and nothing against religion or the people who are Catholic or Christian. Like, I don't believe half of the stuff there's like, this can't like, I'm looking around the room. Like, am I the only one that's kind of questioning <laughs> this? Like it doesn't. And I, <laughs> so, and I know exactly what you meant. Cause every other, the public school will get out usually about 45 to an hour earlier than us because we had that extra class. We had that extra religion right. or Catholic class. And, and one was taught by a nun, two were taught by nuns. One was taught by a priest, now a, a Monsignor. And, and one was talk, taught by, I think another, I can't remember right now, but, and I remember thinking like, uh, am I supposed to feel bad for, for thinking the way I do or, or mm -hmm. having these, these thoughts in my head but um and again marriage priesthood none right so, i mean just for reproduction and it's like wow like that this seems a little rigid for me so um but i digress and 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 now you're here and now you're an entrepreneur now you own a company and i specifically first want to talk about mm -hmm. a I don't want to say a problem, but you saw an opening for uh, uh, something that that wasn't being covered, pun intended, enough. And that is what you call um, uh, big players. And I'll let you explain that. But you saw something that you want to get into that space to help women out. When you kind of started or saw the need for Brotopia, the company that you started, um, kind of talk about the genesis of that, why you decide to go into that space and, and what that work means to you. For sure. So I 
was on maternity leave with my second child. And one of the things, and I know a lot of women will relate to this, is the pressure to get your pre-baby body back. So I had signed up for as many mom and baby classes as I could, boot camp, some with the baby, some without, and was like, I gotta get back in shape. And in Canada, thankfully, we have much um, more generous maternity leaves than our neighbors to the south. But um, I was doing this as much as I could in my spare time. And so one of the tricks that we busty women do is we'll wear two sports bras. And eventually, again, I was just like, there's got to be something better. And I, I was never a love of shopper. I didn't love shopping. So I'm just like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find a solution. There's got to be a sports bra. I don't care what I pay. I'll find this. So... I go into a triathlon store, a retail store, and I talk to a woman and I'm like, can you show me your sports bra selection? And I can see her looking at my chest and she's like, you know what? We carry Oprah's sports bra. And I'm like, oh my God, like I could hear the angels singing because I know Oprah's body. And I'm like, if this is worn by Oprah, okay, I'm not going to lie. I have an uncomfortable obsession with her. This is on my desk. (laughs) (laughs) And... Um, it's got to work for me. So she showed it to me, but I had my baby with me that day. I'm like, I'll come back. And then my next mental blockage was, what if I go back and the one girl that was working isn't working that day and it's the men working. So I go online, find the only other person that carries this bra in Calgary and you have to make an appointment And it's like in an industrial area by car parts stores. And I go there, it works. This thing's amazing. Nothing moves in this bra. Ironically, it was invented in Montana by someone that um, needed a solution for equestrian, which is the hardest thing you can do to a female breast is ride a horse. So I buy two of them and I get into conversation and I'm like, how I couldn't find you. I didn't know this existed. And all they sold was sports bras. So she gave me the whole story and she's like, oh, and we don't even market. And the owner does really well anyway. And I'm like, if they are doing well near auto body stores in an industrial area, I can do this and I can do this better. And this just sparked in me. And part of it was like, it solved my problem. But then I was able, I'm like, I'm going to bring this to other women. I know I'm not the only one with this issue because I want to work out and not be in pain. Right. And I know um, some of the women listening have either gone through that or literally going through it right now Mm -hmm. where it's like, I want to stay fit. I want to make sure that I want to do all the things that I want to do in life. But these things on my chest get in my way all the time and I don't have an answer for it. Yes. Um, and I, I know that the brief history I know of the actual sports bra was created by women with two, I think with two jock straps. I think that was the original sports bra that was created. That could but be, yes. It, and it, it um, but why do you think, and it could be your personal professional opinion, I mean, with all the 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 sports that women are involved in now, I mean, it's 2023 for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 not that this is a taboo subject that we're talking about female athletes. But why isn't this something that you know took so long to come out? Like why is it just because we've all this has been the back burner? Like this is not something that we think is important. Like men have every new tool, every new object that they need to excel in sports, but 
this is the one thing a lot of, I mean, I'm not being, you know, funny, but a lot of times this is the one thing. Yes. Athletic gear where Mm -hmm. everything, I promise you from a business perspective. Right. So, I mean, why is this, yeah, why is this still, I mean, now I get, you know, now I see that more companies are getting into the larger breasted women as, you know, for, um, uh, for sports items. And we, we see as you know, the days and years are going on, the average size of the female breast is going up also like our, we're not keeping up with the times. I don't think we are. I mean, and, and why is that in your professional opinion? So in my, in my professional opinion and what mm-hmm. happened. So even when I got the itch to do this business, I'd gone to get some advice. I'm like, how do I, like, where do I start? How do I start? And someone said to me, go find the trade association of lingerie bras. There's going to be some gathering of all the individuals in this market. Coincidentally, two weeks after my epiphany, there was a trade show in Vegas at the time. And now it's no longer in Vegas. It's in New York and Paris, but I hopped on a plane with kids, everything. I'm like, I'm going to go explore this. It'll either be the beginning of my next venture or it'll be nothing, but you have to start somewhere. And uh, as I walked through the trade show and met sales reps and especially owners of these companies, to this day, not just at the retail forefront, but in the, the products that are created, branded and produced, the majority, I'd say 90% plus are male CEOs. And that's, that's in lingerie. And then I also get, even in my own retail space, you have to chase what makes you money. And there's times I put stuff in my store, Mark, that I'm like, do people actually buy this? Just because I either find it, maybe it's a bit dull or <laughs> like one of the things we've learned with time, nobody needs to own a beige bra, but every woman does because she's so practical. And so if you have to, in business, we're here for profit. And this is what happens in athletic gear, 100%. So unfortunately, that's a large part of it. But the other piece is, unless the problem is is or was the CEOs, and I mean, medicine mirrors this as well, things they thought weren't real because prior, it's not a lot of years we have female doctors and female surgeons and specialists, it won't get looked at or touched. And let's be honest, I've had very lively in-depth discussions about professional athletes and professional sports in the U S and where does the money go? We know that answer. We know know that. So that's the trickle effect. Mm -hmm. And so now we we've kind of started this cycle where, um, and let's just be honest, like there, there is this, you've kind of talked about your, um, your journey to get back into shape after having kids, you wanting to look a certain way, maybe because of your, your internal thoughts, maybe because of societal mm-hmm. pressures. Um, then we have women who want to excel in sports, but might not be able to find the right um, bra that they, that, that'll help them out. And then we start getting into that little, that little voice in our head that says, okay, well, maybe I have the wrong body. Maybe mm-hmm. this body isn't, good enough or I start looking at myself different. I wish I was different in this way. I wish I didn't have these. I wish I had more of these. It's like, it's got to be infuriating. So a lot of the work that you do comes 
in the 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 kind of arena of having women not only love their bodies, appreciate their bodies, know that their bodies are sacred, know that they're strong, <laughs> know that anybody that they're that anybody they're in can be exactly what they need it to be. So um, it in before I even let you get into that, kind of talk about your relationship because you talked about wanting to get back into shape, but kind of talk mm -hmm. about your relationship with your body, how you see it, like how you what what other women have talked to you about their bodies, like what do you see going on right now, and how what has the journey been like for you? Of course. So for me personally, I remember no, I don't remember the exact age. There was a year sometime between tween and teen, 11, 12, 13, in that grouping of age. I remember from having no conscientiousness that there could be anything wrong with my body and um, to suddenly having that feeling that, am I skinny enough? Am I fat? Could I wear certain clothing? It, like, it was a sharp turn. Um, my mom wasn't terrible with body issues, but I do have memories. Like she was always dieting. She is conscientious about her looks and body. So that's a huge thing that programs a daughter. But further to that, I do remember around the age of 13, becoming friends with someone that was obsessed with this. And so she taught me how to diet and restrict caloric intake. And so I do remember the getting down to 110 pounds, which is about 50 kilos, if you have any uh, metric listeners. And so that is like the skinniest I was. And so after that, my body issues kind of always stayed because I would fluctuate from there. And I'm just, I don't have the frame. I could never healthily keep that weight. And the deeper piece that goes on is we also associate so much of our worth with our looks, our body, will I attract a partner? What kind of partner? And so this is all the struggle that's lived in my head for so long. And then I've had so many of the crossroads that I know other women will relate to. And then I was getting married. And then there's this level of perfection that you should be for your wedding day and on and on and on. And it was probably maybe in the past 10 years, like post three children and getting into this industry, especially, which I've been in now for 13 years, that it's like, why, why do we have to hate our bodies? Why, like what happens if I just love my body, even if it's not perfect? And so in my own journey, this is kind of where, I mean, there's always something, I'm never gonna pretend that I have zero of this and that I've hit Zen. Um, but it's a lot less than when I was younger and the obsession with it. And even a prior version of me felt like the only reason you exercise or run or do any of that was like to get slim and fit and be hot. Like now it's like neuroscience and mental health, <laughs> happiness and so, yeah, alone so. time. And I get the list is, is very long, but yeah. So these, these are all things I have struggled with and processed as well. Yeah. And I, um, I know exactly what you're talking about in regard to like, if, if the thing that you're using, say it's running, cause we have a lot of runners listening to show yeah. the thing you're using 
and you have this goal where you just want to look a certain way. And I think for, and I'm going to say this for people who are starting this journey now, um, if you're anything like me, like the goalposts continually shift in your head. Like, yes, you want to look a certain way, but then six months later, you want to look a different way. Then you want to look a different way. And, and for me, it was all about, you know, moving the goalposts in regard to the pounds on the, on the scale. So you were like scared. <laughs> yeah. And so what about like, wanted... like, were there body types, Mark, that you saw and you're like, oh my God, like if I looked like him, my life would be amazing. Yes. So, um, and it's very easy for me. It's, it's, it's my, I have a twin brother and okay. we have different body types and I was a stick figure growing up. I could not gain weight for the life of me. Mm -hmm. I was just straight. I could hide behind a mic stand. That's how I looked. Um, and my brother was the muscular build. He was, you know, we're the same height, but we had different builds. He had actually had definition. And um, I always wanted to look like that. And, and you know, I, I ended up never looking like that. I still don't look like that. And um, I ended up gaining weight after college. I ended up losing a bunch of it and becoming really skinny again, not liking that. Then I bulked up, went to the gym, was on a bunch of protein and didn't like that. And it's like I had to get to the point where I was like, you know what? you got to do something inside before outside changes at all. That's incredible. Um, and, um, and I've kind of talked about it on some other shows, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things where once you figure out that you are your harshest critic, it does not matter what your body looks like. It does because whether you're 50 pounds, 100, 150, 200, 300, whether you're four, like someone is going to like you. Someone in the world is going to like you, mm -hmm. but you are the person that will probably not like you unless you do something with intent. So, um, and it took me a while. It took me, I got here in like the last two, two and a half years. So it's been, it's been a very interesting journey for me. Um, but I am not the guest this week. I have probably no, gone off it's, the it's rails totally here. Like, <laughs> I appreciate woman, that. You have no idea the impact mm -hmm. it gives to hear like, wow, men go through this too. You know, we, um, and, and again, just so everybody knows, like there is no, we don't do any pre-work before these shows. These shows go where they're going to go. So you guys are getting the best of Mark and Colette right now, but, um, a great, just so women know if they're, if they're asking a question, like, Movies like, I always bring up a movie like 300. I don't know if people have seen 300 before, but it's a movie literally where men are shirtless the entire movie and they're Spartans. And I swear to God, they are <laughs> like, the I most cut. Tonight. Yeah. <laughs> they are, go ahead, go for it. It's a, it's a good movie. The second one, not so much, but the first one is great. And um, like, just men are just cut ripped they're in great shape it's like i didn't know they had weight rooms in in sparta back in the day but apparently <laughs> they did um but you're looking at that and and trying to at least for me i'm trying to enjoy this movie and it's like my god i don't look like that like i don't look anything like that i gotta get to the gym i gotta cut my fat mm -hmm. and sugar and and like it's hard for, it was hard for me just to enjoy movies and um, I think one of the, the best parts of having you on this show is that you work specifically, not specifically, one of the things you work with is not only empowerment for women, but that comes with a certain level of understanding one own, one own's body, understanding 
how strong, how powerful, how amazing the female form is. And that regardless of what you see online, regardless of what you see online, that you are perfect the way you are and you can find you can find clothes that fit you can work out all you want you can do what you want but do it for yourself don't mm -hmm. do it for others and um and also one of the things you, you you work with a lot is sexuality female sexuality which yes. we know we're not supposed to talk about that that's that's something that people aren't <laughs> supposed to talk about we're gonna get women, a letter from the Vatican. Uh, yes, <laughs> women are women are not supposed to be sexual creatures. But as we know, we're adults here. Women are sexual creatures. Um, talk about your like you said you asked your mom about sex, mm -hmm. and you said that wasn't a terrible conversation. But her eyes kind of lit up and kind of like, oh, damn it, we're gonna have to have this conversation. Uh, when it comes to sexuality in the female form, like. Why are you in that space? Like, what makes you gravitate to that? I think I know the answer, but, you know, what makes you want women to be more comfortable with their sexuality? I think a lot of it is, is inspired from my own life experience. Mm -hmm. And I do remember at one point, like, even, and it's funny because I just saw Eliza Schlesinger, I'm going to butcher her last name live, and she has a whole skit about bra shopping when you're busty. So in her, it's in her Netflix special. So it, it talked about like, you, always, you have to go to like weird places, like I'm up near an auto body store. And then even the selection is <laughs> to quote her. She's like, you know, like if clammy was a color, that's what they're bringing into the change room. <laughs> so... I remember being in Montana one time with my now ex-husband and I think we went into Dillard's or some, I can't remember all of your chain stores and who's there and who's not anymore. This is years ago. And they had this selection. And what happens is most busty women think they're 38 double D. It's like this thing. You will not have to understand it, Mark, but I'm sure your listeners will relate. <laughs> and I went in and they had like all these 38 double Ds and they were sexy and they were in wonderful colors. I felt so high. The dopamine high I was on, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I get to wear really hot bras. And of course, at that time, I don't even think we were married yet. So I did totally want to impress, impress my husband. But it was just this, I was like, how can I bring this to other women? And um, so it was partially that. And then the other piece, like going to the other end of that spectrum, is the chain stores that shall remain nameless, but are American based and infiltrated the Canadian market. You feel defeated walking into them. Like, like how you feel watching 300 when you walk into a store and the first person you see is Giselle Bunchen naked on a poster. <laughs> like that doesn't boost your self-esteem. It's like, huh, maybe I shouldn't go try on lingerie today. And, and sometimes you're not doing it to seduce anyone. You're doing it because you need to wear a bra every day. And so that feeling of like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not a 1% supermodel. How could we take that out of the equation and just make this inclusive environment where people can embrace what they have? And so that was like my why. And in my own life, when I have experienced this, 
it ripples out. It's like the throwing a rock in the water and the ripples go out. It was like, I, I felt better about my career, what I could accomplish, my relationship, my parenting, um, walking across a room, presenting at a conference. It, it was incredible what loving your body at any level can do for you extrinsically. And I think this is one of those things where I, I see myself as a very empathetic person, but I like I lack the empathy here because I, I I do not have female breasts. I, I so people know that I probably should put that out there beforehand so people know that about me. But I do not have female breasts, so I've never like I wouldn't know that feeling of like something that let's be honest, like it it is it's stigmatized to the women who, who, who go brawless, like, even though that is a thing now and, and women want, and, and that's fine, but that's stigmatized. So this is something that it's almost a requirement for women to wear every day. It, if you're wearing the wrong size, it is, it hurts. It's uncomfortable. You get these, you know, if you're bigger busted, you get these marks on your shoulders, you have back problems, you get, you, you know, it, everything like you, you lose a part of yourself when you walk in there and you can't find something that's supposed to fit you and you've walked into the right store and, oh, you sell these, but you don't have mine, but I see hundreds on the wall. Like, as a man, I think it's good for us to understand that that is defeating. That is absolutely defeating. And also part of that is, I think what you brought up and I think a lot of men need to hear is this bra isn't always for us. Like this literally, like they're like women actually have jobs and have to leave the house and have to wear clothes. And like, they're like, we're, I mean, there's the, like, there's a reason for a bra and it's not us guys. I apologize for, yeah, I know. for putting but that like, out on there. That note, Mark, when men hmm? come in to buy gifts, like I never yeah. sell men beige bras. <laughs> but that is very good point. Touche. Too, absolutely. Too, I can just see me. Well, honey, I got you this functional beige bra. Right? You I just want you this? to be comfortable. Oh, <laughs> oh, honey, you shouldn't have. Um, so, but, so let's, let's talk about that kind of, that blurring that line between functionality and actually being happy with what you're wearing. Because we know if you're a 34B you, the world is your oyster. You can mm -hmm. have the fanciest, nicest, most luxurious bra in the world. But once you get to that 38, 40, the D's turn into two D's, maybe an E, like that's when everybody's like, you know what, who cares what she wears? Let's let it be functional. Mm -hmm. So now you're kind of trying to blur that line. So these women can also feel good about what they're wearing. God, yes. And it's interesting because bras actually go from A, and I believe they're up to N now, like Nancy. Oh and interestingly enough, a large demographic is in the southern U.S. That, um, especially in Georgia, you have a lot of that clientele, very bust. I can attest to that. We do. Yes. We do. And um, so yeah. um, the possibilities are endless. Bras come in like nearly 400 size combinations. But if your point is to turn the product, whether it fits or not, the chain stores carry 16. So it's very expensive to analyze and carry a large size selection. And when people started finally realizing women don't just want to own beige, 
what they've done in the markets is absolutely incredible. And there are a few chain stores that have adopted this and are doing it better, but I see it. And even it's interesting because we train our staff in this and funny, like, so funny story from the weekend, I go out for a drink with a friend of mine. Now he works in Hollywood in movies. We do a ton of movies in Canada and, um, he was just on the last of us for months and his specialty is special effects. So we go to this hot bar in the city and, um, we're at the, we're sitting at the counter waiting for the rest of our group. And I recognize the bra, the bartender is wearing. And I asked her where she got it. Sure enough, she got it from my store and she chatted with us for a couple minutes. We're sitting there. This other waitress comes over and I, it took me a minute to process and she brought champagne for us. And I was shocked. And she's like, you're the owner of Bratopia. You changed my life. <laughs> I could see she was the sweet little petite thing, very busty. And so that's mm -hmm. like even the other size combination. Oh yeah. Without going to like plus size and busty, these petite women that are busty, those are even harder to serve. And so I was shocked and he's laughing because he's like, I have come here with Hollywood stars and nobody's brought me champagne. <laughs> I'm like, this is yeah. the power. This yeah. is the power. Of You're in the wrong business, buddy. You're in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, as, as long as we're on this topic, like what, and I'm glad I have you here because I hear all the time that I think I, I, was listening to a, a video or podcast or something the other day where something like 70% of women are wearing the wrong size bra. Yes. And for a man, like we're like, my brain is so practical and so pragmatic. I'm like, how mm -hmm. does it happen? Like, I, I, I know what size I wear. I, if it doesn't fit, I don't buy it. But so <laughs> one, why is that? And two, how do women make sure they're wearing the right size bra? I know. Okay. So going to logic and statistics, mm -hmm. you have the chain stores and even the box stores carrying 16, maybe in the US, some of them carry up to 25 or 30 sizes of the 400 combinations. And the thing is, no two women are built the same. No two breasts are usually even the same size on the same woman. So they train in a way to do the best they can or fit them as closely as they can and to turn the product. So by the time you get into specialty, and one of the things we're up against is people do fear our prices. And I did, one of my goals was to bring in more price-friendly product. And at first I did have some discount product or very, very entry level budget product, but the fits were terrible. The quality, they'd come back broken. So we cut that out. So we do, it's called like bridge to luxury. So in, in jeans, it'd be like Levi's to I think sevens or luxury. I can't remember all the jean brands, but so we're always trying to serve this clientele. And then it's about the service. Now in the U S you guys have murdered retail with Amazon and the ease of delivery. Like even when I speak to my amazing American friends about the convenience of Amazon or one of them like, I clicked finish my like purchase this cart and it was on my doorstep in two hours. So you need to be able to like support these stores. So the, the remaining stores do phenomenal jobs, but I know people like get worried about what they'll invest in, in these products. So a lot of people never get fit properly, but the interesting thing, Mark is even most, it doesn't take a lot to get to D 
and there's this Hollywood conception, like, you know, even people will be like, oh, Dolly Parton's like a double D. Dolly has to be like a J or a K, like, because we know these sizes. So double Ds are actually not that big. And people get shocked when I say that. And I'm like, it just depends like what frame they're on or whatnot. So by the time we're getting to what men or media would deem a double D, you're actually like at F and G as far as cup sizes. So, and even a women that think they're an A, and there's a huge mental stigma to that. If you think you're a woman and you're an A, it's like, you just, it like feel, you feel devalued as a woman. Yes. Mm -hmm. And even what I share, like a true A to give you a person, like a, an idea of that would be like that thin version of you that could have hid like a thin male is an A typically. <laughs> so most women do not have that that body type and so yeah it's it's this combination um but oprah had done this phenomenal job of bringing on her bra fitter to her show and so she kind of rippled this out and so i know since that woman sold her stores but i think they're mostly still around in the us but yeah so this is the struggle in america and in canada same thing it's like this people fear to come in because they think it's like out of their budgets or their price lines and they get and I, I, I would always I would think that and I, I listen I'm never going to tell somebody you know how to spend their money but like if if you're a person who constantly goes through bras constantly uncomfortable in my opinion again this is a practical male <laughs> brain thinking in my opinion it's go get fitted and at least walk out with a bra or two that you've spent quality money on that's going to last you and actually make you feel better during the day. Like you won't be the one adjusting all the time. Yes. Um, and no point am I, am I sponsored by Bratopia or by no, Colette? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not here to peddle what she's doing, but at the same time, it's like I've, as I've gotten older, I've learned that my money travels further if I just spend the extra for that quality item versus me continuing to buy the things that are cheap, cheap, cheap. Um, and cause these are going to last longer. And, um, and again, we're talking about bras. We're talking about things mm -hmm. that women have to wear daily. Um, one question you probably get all the time is do women need to change up their bras each day or there, can they have a daily bra that they wear? Like, we always say is like you you want at least three bras so like one that you're wearing one's probably in the wash and one in the drawer and that's like your minimum and then you can get into all sorts of specialties you can get into why you're wearing that bra and whatnot so yeah but the minimum we recommend is three and especially the bustier you are the harder it is on that bra to be wearing it daily but interesting even in what you just shared because i know the male logical brain is like well come on girls just go get fit so the other piece that you're not embracing in there is the other part that i know ends up stopping women is if you do want that full service fitting we're in the change room with you and now for a woman to come into a store and take her clothes off even if she still has her bra on in front of a stranger as much as our women are amazing and compassionate and most people in this industry are that can be so anxiety filled fear filled to show somebody else their body like women's dissociation from their body is so sad and it's scary sometimes how 
much they fear that and it's just like two women in a change room but that will stop them again and this is why i have shows like this so we can we can learn these things because what one person may see as just easy and practical in another person's brain it's not that easy it's not that easy and i i, I love having shows like this so um and I would assume the, the three bras should not all be beige bras at these, at the minimum, we shouldn't. I would ban beige if I could. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> so um, also one of the things I'm sure some people are wondering is um, as for bustier women, like, is it best to have an underwire? Is it best to have the teeth? Like what are... What are the best bras? And I know this is a very general question. No, for but sure. But for bustier women, like what are the best type of bras to have to wear daily? Okay. So every breast is so unique. Like mm -hmm. they're like snowflakes. There's the, where mm -hmm. the muscle tissue is, where, where the fullness is, especially for busty women. Now the underwired bra 100% gives greater support and a nicer shape it, without a doubt. But we do have women that, for whatever reason, some of them have allergies, some of them just have this aversion to wires, they won't do it. But the other piece like that women don't realize is once you're fit properly, most of the time wires will never bother you. And the other piece is bras actually work bottom up. And so if you have divots in your shoulders and your straps are hurting you, you're not fit properly. You shouldn't be able to like lift your arms and your breasts fall out of the bottom of your bra. The, the support comes from the bottom of the band to the top. So the strap should only do about 10% of the work and you should still have support even if you slipped your straps off your shoulders, if you're fit properly. So this is like mind-blowing for a lot of women yeah i was gonna say them. you blew a lot of people's mind yeah. right there including my own with i i, I learned something new i learned right. <laughs> absolutely learned something new um that i'm still processing that just to let you know mm -hmm. that's 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 because you know a lot of women will not wear the strapless bras because of that because they feel without those straps like this is going to fall down but, yes. um, wow. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm and even I'm myself good. to this day, and mm -hmm. I've had strapless bras now for probably 12 years, mm -hmm. like, and I'm a 34 G 36 F depending mm -hmm. the brand and the bra, it still blows my mind when I put on a strapless bra and it supports me and I can wear it off the shoulder and it, it like expands your wardrobe, but yeah, it's still is hard to mentally process. Cause I started doing it so late in life. Cause I also had that belief. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been absolutely mind-blowing. This has been a great conversation. So for the people who want to actually learn more about this and find you online, how can they do that? So through our website, it's bratopia.ca, which is the Canadian handle. Um, it's all there, all our links. And personally, I am on LinkedIn, Colette Hammond. So my professional profile is there. I'm always happy to connect with someone and uh, have a further chat. And this has been um, absolutely amazing. And I hope that, you know, of course, a lot of the women listening, I found this informative and found that there are people who, who want to help. And there are people who are willing to be very gentle in that changing room. No judgment. They want to help you. 
Uh, and it wants you to make, make you feel more comfortable. And if your goal is to feel sexier, great. If your goal is to feel more like a woman, great. If your goal is just to get in there and find something that fits, even better. That's where I call it is here. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you so much for being absolutely open and vulnerable during this conversation. Thank it was Mark. amazing. I think my jaw dropped at least 17 times because I'm <laughs> learning on the fly too. You are uh, going to impress more people than you know with these facts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I'm about to make appointments right now just to tell everybody what I've learned today. So, Carla, thank you very much. You have a great rest of your day and you keep doing Mark. what you're doing. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6AM Run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AM Run to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.